What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. This Haberman and Middlecoff segment is brought to you by Manscaped.com, promo code HAM, and SeatGeek, promo code HAM, NEs.com, promo code HAM, and BoxOfAwesome.com, promo code HAM. Now to the segment. Is this a trap game with the Falcons? Kyle Shanahan, he's had some great teachers. We always talk about his dad. He gives a lot of credit to Dan Quinn. Is this a trap game, Niners-Falcons, on Sunday? For the Niners. When I, just see, the, when I see the number, 11 feels a little strong. That's just a point given spread. This, yeah, as the point spread. This team's won, the Falcons, that is, three of the last five games. They've just scored some points. The Niners have a ton of injuries. They just... I mean, one of the craziest two-game stretches of the last decade they've had, just in given the intensity of it, on the road, staying on the road. The total, you know, if you if you factor in the two games, they lost by three in Baltimore, won by two, so they're minus one point differential of the two best teams in the league. Like, you would just think they're just, god damn, they're exhausted. I think 11 points a little strong, but the Niners are 11-2 and two for a reason. They've been one of the best teams start to finish. The Falcons' defense isn't very good. I think even if the Niners' defense these next couple weeks with all these injuries just becomes a little more quote-unquote average relative to what they've been, the offense is actually relatively healthy, right? you got Jimmy, who's playing the best football of his life. George Kittle's back and kicking ass, taking names. Emmanuel Sanders, shit, looks like Julio Jones for the Niners. Debo's coming on. Mozart's like player of the year for them right now. Tevin Coleman's Breda's back. All their offensive linemen are back. Well, they lost their center, but... I, I am more confident just because I think the offense is kind of humming. And and then you watch like Monday Night Football, or excuse me, not Monday Night Football, Thursday Night Football, and I think you just realize, you know what? The Ravens are really good on defense. So it was really hard in that game for two reasons. One, their defense is good. It was raining. It's understandable why they were just struggling to score. Because basically every other game beside that the last month, obviously including the Saints, Kyle and Jimmy, they've, it felt like they've been humming, right? Yeah, even in I, even in that Seattle game, one of the big knocks on that game right after the game, remember, it was like, well, they left 140 yards on the ground with or on the, in the passing game with drops, or it was like 125. Remember, it was a huge number. Right. It wasn't like, well, they had 30 yards of drops. They had 100 plus of drops. 
and they've kind of tightened that up. Well, the, other, the the reason I don't think it's a trap game is that I think it's so easy if you're the Niners. Like you said, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, and I said, hey, I wouldn't, I'm not overlooking the Falcons, and then they, then they lost like two days later. But so there's that, and I think you – you said it before the podcast. If you were Kyle Shanahan, you'd be just looping the uh, Falcons Saints game on in, on all the TVs in the facility just to remind everybody how how the Falcons played the Saints, the team that they just played. But the other part of it is like you just know if you're the Niners, and I, this just applies every week. You just have no margin for error, whether it comes to trying to win the division, making sure that the week 16 and week 17 games are games that you, give you an opportunity to win the division, and just getting the one seed, getting a first-round bye. The West is on the line with every game. The one seed and uh, the two seed even are on the line in every game you play. So I think there's a lot of reason to be locked in if you're the Niners. You remember 2016, the year the Warriors won 73 games? When they were at like 55 and 6 or 7 at one point, it was just a stupid number. And it was like, God, they're... Three games up on the Spurs? And then you look down, and I just Googled it. I People forget that is the most underrated 67-win team in NBA history. Is it not the San Antonio yep. Spurs, the year the Warriors won the 73 games? Because they, they were on... How many teams in NBA history have... I mean, the Warriors, the first team to ever win 73 games, and only get the one seed by six games? It's crazy. <laughs> that, that's kind of what the NFC... I'd say the NFC changed a little bit the moment the Niners beat the Packers because for the Niners, they truly now control their own destiny. They beat the Packers. They beat the Saints. So if they end up with the same record as them and the NFC West, they're going to get the better seed because they beat them head-to-head. Now, really, their only goal now is... And with Seattle losing a game, they can technically lose one of these next two games as long as they win that game. Then I think it does get to some of those weird tiebreakers, potentially. Yeah, Which the Niners, didn't we figure out, would lose... Depending on strength of uh, opposition, yeah, because they got the Redskins and the Seattle had the Philly or the Eagles, and there was one other team like Tampa, and yeah, it gets a little not Tampa. Was the, but did you say Lions? The Redskins? Wasn't it the Lions? I did not say the Lions. No, it was the Redskins, and it was one other team, Packers. Yeah, the Niners played the Redskins and the Packers. They played the Lions and the Vikings. It was the Vikings and the Eagles are their two teams. Okay, so that's a problem because the Eagles are probably going to go like eight and eight, and the Vikings are going to be a playoff team. So, like their strength of schedule, beating those teams right with their better record would give if they ended up both twelve and four, and the Niners win that last game. So that's it's a double whammy for the Niners. Like you'd like to win that last game and finish a game up. To me, best case scenario for the Niners, you win these next two weeks. Seattle drops another game. You got a two-game lead going. That game doesn't mean shit, and you can just what would you do? You wouldn't totally throw that game. Like if you were locked into the one seed going into Week 17, would they rest a lot of guys? Because you're getting the buy too. You don't remember the Colts did that that one year, and it kind of bit them in the ass. They're like, "Yeah, we just we took too much time off." It's a hard balance, but I'm I'm not trying to get ahead of myself. Just see if they can win this week. Yeah, the problem is you're just so beat up. How many bodies do you have? You don't really. You can't cut guys to like let practice squad guys play. It yeah, a more complicated. I, I it, you probably would like 
give Jimmy a half, right? And maybe give Nick Mullins a second half, something like that. But like, okay, uh, don't play Tevin Coleman. Well, who's going to be a running back? Well, Breda. You know, it's like, you, this isn't college. There's not 100 guys. You, your guys that dress are, well, it's like, uh, Breda, no, Breda, Breda, wide receiver? Breda gets to rest because he's hurt. He's beat up. So then you just ride Mozart? You want no, him no, to No, no, no. I'm riding Te- Tevin Coleman. If you were to rank guys, running backs of importance, wouldn't you put Breda and Mostert ahead of him right now? Uh, I mean, I still have a lot of faith in Coleman in big spots. I mean, he's been playing Super Bowls. He's a really good player. I, I, I need all three of them. Yeah, Mozart's the best right now. Mozart. But Mozart. Um, Guy, Mozart is really good. Like, his, his plays aren't just like, oh, I just, you got some. Like, no, he's a good, he's perfect for the scheme. He's one of those guys that I don't know when he's a free agent. Some team's going to pay, and he won't look as nearly as good. It's like, yeah, he works in this scheme. Remember, like, Chip Kelly signed DeMarco Murray, and then, like, three weeks in there, like, they hated each other? Yeah. It's like, yeah, Chip, you should have realized this doesn't work in your fucking offense, buddy. Um, the other part of it is just I think this is everything that happens this year because the Niners play so many meaningful games are all kind of checkmark, check. Uh, check marks, check posts, check way stations for Kyle Shanahan, right? Everything he – a lot of these things that he's doing are first-time things for a head coach, even though he's been here a couple years previous, but never at this level. So here's a game. All right, you played the Ravens game. How do you play the next week after a heartbreaking physical loss against a team you got to beat? Loose, free, easy, great. Okay, just two – you're coming down off these massive highs. You just spent two weeks on the road playing the best teams in the league. Now you got the Falcons at home. How does your team look? How do you play this game? Like, these are all things that are part of us, everybody, getting to see who Kyle Shanahan's football teams are, who he is as a head coach. Isn't there something to it, though, also, like, you guys are just tired? You know, so you get to a certain point of the season. And hurt. Tired and hurt. It's really, it's tired, hurt. Think about next week, guy. They have a short week. For a team with a short week, you know, they haven't had their bye forever. I think if you're Kyle, you have to be thinking, we got to throw the kitchen sink to get that first round by. Because of all, yes. all of our chances to win this whole thing this year, which if we can be healthy, we have as good a chance as any team in the league. It, we would be fighting a huge uphill battle if we don't. If we throw the kitchen sink at these last three games, lose week 17, don't win the division, and then have to try to win three straight games to win the NFC on the road, right? It'd be like, well, <laughs> be a problem. Is he... Uh... Does he still have a chance at Coach of the Year, or does John Harbaugh have that sewn up? Uh, well, I was watching last night when they were interviewing Ingram and Lamar after, and and Mark Ingram said something that made me think, "We're the this is back to back NFC or AFC North champions." Guy, they won the division last year, so yeah, they're having an unreal season, and they're probably have the MVP on their team. But they did win the division last year. Last, the, you know, the Niners have Nick Bosa. Why, they drafted second overall. Does that factor in at all? Because I'm not trying to take anything away from yes. John, and I'm not going to complain if he wins it, but fuck. But couldn't I counter if, that? If they where, get the, they'd have to get, they have to get the number one overall seed. Well, yeah, and that's kind of what I'm – first of all, I, I agree with you there. Couldn't you counter – like what happened last year generally doesn't matter. We argued about this all the time with Alabama – this year, like what they did last year, how good they've been in the past is irrelevant when it comes to this college football playoff. I agree, but I also think like 
Coach of the Year award. For example, there was a debate about what who should have won it in the Pac-12. Kyle Whittingham won it, but he also had a bunch of guys on the first team all league. And some people think, well, he had a bunch of good talent, so we didn't. Why should he can't be the coach of the year? My thing is like, you're the coach. Like if your players perform well, you get credit for that. You don't get discredit. I don't. The difference they went to Lamar Jackson. That was part of last year, but it's also a big part of this year. He's been great. They drafted him. Like I'm not saying it's a three-year no, award for John Harbaugh, but all those things are the context to me. I think a lot of times this award is we thought you were going to suck. Thanks for not being terrible. Now I feel like it's more so that in college in the NFL, the the, the achievers do often win the award, but not the greatest. Like Bill Bill hasn't won it every year. So what did say? What did Saban say? High achievers don't like losers, and losers don't like high That's achievers. Right. <laughs> it's a great quote. <laughs> I, I different word for losers, but I'll just throw in losers. Yeah. So when you are expected to be great, this is why. Like I would have in college football, there was plenty of people who could a handful of really good candidates this year. Right? Eddie O won the award, but Matt Rule could have won it. Um, I think uh, uh, PJ Fleck could have won it. Hell, yeah. I, Dabo could have won. I mean, like Dabo Day. All like there's a bunch of guys. Eddie O. People. Th- say to you at LSU, you better be good. And then they were great. And when you're the mountaintop, you got to climb yourself. Uh, I give you credit. So like, but, but looking for ADO, like, right. He was the head coach when they took Joe Brady or uh, Joe Burrow. He went out and hired Joe Brady. Had the guts to he change went, his offense. Right. Change his offense. He was the head coach when they fucking beat Alabama, Florida, Texas, Georgia. I guess to me, he was, he's on like a higher level version of, of Whittingham, but both of that, like that's part of being a head coach, what those two guys did. And I agree with John Harbaugh. I, I have no issue with it. I also think Kyle, given how many injuries they've had, it's really impressive. I still think if the Steelers, and we'll probably touch on this game a little later, if they finish 10 and 6, because it's also in context of what happened to you that season, mm-hmm. they lost Roethlisberger week one to Tommy John surgery. He now looks like about 340 pounds with a Grizzly Adams beard. And they're playing with a guy that if you would have said in August, Haberman, hey, Middlecoff, what are your, what's your scouting report on Duck Hodges? I mean, he would have been laughed at. Like, what? Who? And he's, he's winning games with them. They play Sunday night football. Like, what if the Steelers go 10-6 and six with Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph? That's, I might argue that is more impressive than either Kyle or John. Because last year we saw Kyle, once Jimmy went down, they couldn't even function. Right? Yeah, I I think that's legit. I'm just saying I also think if the Niners are the one seed, you have the elite the elite level production and now not quarterback injury like Tomlin, but you have had some level of adversity that you've had to deal with. You work him in you go get Emmanuel Sanders, work him in. Well if you were if you were voting on it, wouldn't I go if you're if you're too, you're like I think the two strongest candidates are Harbaugh and Kyle. I'd be like, well, do they play this year? If I was just a novice, didn't know much about it, and you yeah. said yes, I'd be like, who won? Like, well, the one guy won in a walk off field goal. Like, well, wouldn't he get the vote then? He beat the other guy. Yeah. If they've had similar the same seasons, right? Yeah. They both go fourteen and two or thirteen and three. They played, and one guy beat him in a in a great game. It's true. You could make that the tiebreaker. I'd have no because because again, it's. I flipped on the television yesterday, and they were talking about the Heisman. And it was like Herbie and Fowler. You know, you're just doing this long, like, college football biography show. It's really cool. And one thing Fowler was saying is, like, they kind of like 
that there aren't any descriptions on the Heisman. Just kind of on you, you know? It's like just the best college player. But there's not like the most touchdowns. It's not a stat award. It's kind of an intangible award. It's a subjective award. And I think coach, to me, coach of the year feels a much more subjective than even like the MVP, right? John, that's why I like the Outland Trophy. Because it's offensive linemen and defensive linemen that can win the award. Like last year, Quinnen Williams won the award. This year, Panay Sewell won the award. I bet that award... That's pretty bad. Right. It's just like you are the baddest big dude in all of college football. I well, did it doesn't, a, uh, edge rushers can't win it. But. I did a, like on the three and out podcast, just a topic on, you know, the crazy part about the Heisman Trophy is that for the most of these guys, their best moment, and you and I have talked about this, will be the Heisman Trophy. You just look back at like the last 10 years. Beside really Cam Newton, most of the guys like Jameis, Mariota, Kyler Baker, like, is their careers ever going to be better than that moment and that those years at Oklahoma? Well, Derrick Henry's kind of an outlier. Like, his career's starting to be really good. Mm-hmm. But Joe Burrow, more than likely, this might be the peak of his life, right? Because you'd say 50-50 chance he's just will never live up to being the number one overall pick. I bet if we did a study on the Outland Trophy winner, <laughs> it's fucking... The well, Joe Thomases yeah. and Aaron Donalds. And no, just, I looked at the list earlier. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's got to be a lot of all-pro awards on that bad boy. Haloti Nadas. I, I bet it's just stupid. I don't the think Haloti won the... Let me see. I was looking at it earlier, and it's like... you know, <laughs> Who's who of like you NFL? Know who, one guy that won it, Josh Garnett, I remember, was one of the guys that won it. Yeah, and, and just like anything, there are going to be some like, what? Who? So here's... I'll just keep... I'll just... I mean... Penesul, Quinn Williams, Ed Oliver, Cam Robinson, Josh Garnett, uh, Brandon Sheriff, Aaron Donald, uh, Luke Jokel, Barrett Jones, Gabe Karimi, Indomitian Sue, Andre Smith, Glenn Dorsey, Joe Thomas, Greg Esslinger, Jamal Brown, Robert Gallery. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's got a little Heisman feel to it. Bryant right? McK- well, I mean, no, I think that Bryant McKinney, Chris Samuels, Orlando Pace, Jonathan Ogden. Will yeah, they Shields. got more. Hall, they got some more Hall of Famers, I say. <laughs> yeah. Big translates, but some of the. I mean, so, wouldn't you say Robert Gallery is much more of a Heisman Trophy type oh, name? Yeah, yeah, you hear yeah, that totally. name, you know, it's totally. like what. What was the thing you you were saying that Kyle said something about Dan Quinn, kind of the influence Dan Quinn had on him? Well, I was watching. I was watching his press conference the other day, and he mentioned just about because you know, obviously, in, in these type of weeks, what's it like to play Dan? What was your first memories of Dan? And he said, you know, I didn't know Dan that well. Uh, but I liked his defense, as you can tell. I mean, I it was something that I wanted to hire when I got this head job. But he said that Dan had a huge influence on his coaching career and his life. Because Kyle was saying that, you know, the knock on me was I was a little more negative, And I was just a coordinator. So I was just focused this tunnel vision on trying to score points. And basically saying, yeah, I might have been a little bit of an asshole. And he's like, Dan is clearly the opposite. You know, Dan is basically, wouldn't you say Dan's kind of the bald-headed Pete? Like, he's really, really positive. Anyone that has that experience, like, you you never hear any bad things no, about you know, him. No, you know, I heard like, he does, like, I heard him do an interview on NFL Radio about a month ago, and I was, I really hadn't heard him talk that much. I was like, damn, I, this guy's really likable. Yeah, he's, could you argue if he does get fired, like, he'll just interview pretty well, and his resume's not terrible? Like, who's to say he wouldn't get another job yeah. immediately? Uh, but he was just saying that he had a big influence on his life, and I, and I think that the Kyle that, Remember that playoff game was like Packers Falcons and Lynch was calling it with Kevin Burkhart. <clears throat> it was like wild card weekend or mm-hmm. the second weekend of the playoffs. And Lynch was saying, 
This was before his name was being floated. You know, there are some knocks on Kyle that he's he's kind of mean to people. He's like, I don't really get that vibe. Remember, yeah, and we yep. we used it as conversation that I, that really hasn't been the conversation since Kyle's been here. Now there have been some articles about you know the scouting staff and stuff, and I, I think naturally some coaches just don't value scouts as much as they should. But that's that's a little nitty gritty football stuff. Less on. Like, no one's really complained about his, the way he conducts himself, carries himself, the way he interacts with players. He doesn't really have this vibe. Now, maybe that will change as they have to make some hard decisions, right, on cutting guys, on trading guys. But he doesn't have a Belichick, and he's just a a cold-blooded asshole. He'll just get rid of you, throw you to the wolves. Like, it seems like the players love him. Now, again, he's they have made basically one tough decision in three years, and that was cutting Laurel Bowman. But, like, what happens if, like, they trade Eric Armstead, who wants to stay, or they franchise him and they won't extend him? You know, it's like they've, they're about to have some decisions that usually create some animosity sometimes, right? For the first time with players that already like him. Yeah. But if you're winning, there's not a lot that people can say. That's the other part of it, right? When your stuff's yeah, working. but you can but you can win like Bill and just be known like he'll he'll throw you to the wolves. Well, I know, but when your stuff's working, it's harder for people to complain about that. Like, what are you supposed to say? Like every maybe it's you know what I mean. Like it's hard. Like when you go out and say Belichick doesn't know how to treat me. Like, well, maybe this is a you problem because Bill keeps winning championships, right? When you're losing, like I. I'll tell you this. So Thursday, I said to myself, Self, how's John Beeline doing with the Cavaliers? Let's go check in on John. So I did a little Googling, and the answer is not well, John. It's not going good. He uh, is has five wins, I think, and is in second to last place in the East. And not only that, Tristan Thompson is coming to his defense because there was a story that a lot of the players – Vets and and young players aren't big John Beeline fans. Well, do you see one of the things they're mad at is like, typically you call things like floppy, you just scream floppy. He screams like polar bear. He has names for things that's bothering them. But my point is just like, it gets really easy when things aren't going well for people's complaints to be heard. When things are going well, people say, shut up and take your medicine. I was I ended up on a beeline game about a month ago, and I just tweeted all I tweeted because they were playing like the Sixers. God, John Beeline can coach college pro. If you can coach, you can coach. Yeah, type deal. Yeah, I'm just I'm waiting for like an old take expose or something but, to get that to come but up. You, but but like again, you're not. Wrong. It's clear that it's Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love bitching and moaning when they're having pretty good statistical years. I don't think it's just black and white like Beeline no. is just some clown. It's not. You know? It's not. I remember I said to Mike Montgomery the other day, I was doing a game with him, and I was like, what was it like when you went to the NBA and the games are 48 minutes instead of 40 minutes? He's like, it's a whole other world. He's like, it's crazy. Because in the NBA, what has happened in the first three quarters is totally irrelevant. doesn't matter. The fourth quarter is when it matters. He's like, I remember we were in Detroit, and Detroit's really good, and we're right there with them. We got them on the ropes, and I'm standing there on the sideline, and I'm thinking, man, we can win this basketball game. He's like, and then you know what happened? They just decided they wanted to win, so they won. He's like, we're playing the Lakers, and we got them right where we want them. We're feeling pretty good. And Then Kobe Bryant decided he just wanted to win the game, and we had nobody that could guard Kobe Bryant. It's like Derek Fisher comes over. He's like, coach, I can take him. I'm like, all right, Derek, go ahead. Like, Couldn't do it. 
Nobody could do it. NBA is just a different, it's just a different animal. On top of, you just have to have the play. You just have to have play. You don't, you have to have good players. Like, shocker. John Beeline, it's not going well with the Cavs. Gee, who could have guessed? How many games did Greg Popovich win with that team? Extra eight minutes and the shot clock difference, which in his day was way different. Now is, what's shot clock now? 30? Yeah. So it's, they've taken five seconds. But 30 is a lot different than 24, right? Just the pace of everything. There's a lot of shots. college football, would you say college football is that much different than the NFL besides like the foot rule and the probably the biggest change would be clock stop after first down? Yeah, the clock stop's a big one. Just the clock management, right? And then maybe just stylistically, like you, there's there's just more possessions, generally yeah. speaking, in NFL the game, You're right. The, game, the sport's a little bit different. You have to – the way I heard Herm describe it once was like – although he's trying to change, but in, in the NFL – you out- He's trying to be like the NFL, right? In the NFL, it's kind of like the, you just try to get – if you're in a close game in the fourth quarter, because you're just – every game is close. In college, you just try to score as many points as possible from the yeah. beginning. You're just trying to score. Just score, 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 score. Yeah. So maybe it's less of a field position deal in college. I don't know. But, but, but I do think that when you look at Kyle Shanahan, would he have been – and this is just like humans. I, I think you and I are better off – for our experience at the radio station, just professionally understanding how to run a show and not saying that we're perfect every time, but just the experience we had dealing with people there. If I ever get into a situation, just dealing with people, just things that I handled well, things I handled differently. Like you are just a product of your experiences. And would Kyle has been of a, as equipped to, to be like he is if he had been around basically the Pete Carroll clone. And they kind of won. So it's, it was a double whammy, right? It's one thing if like you're acting like that and it's not working. Like Gus Bradley, let's say, with the Jacksonville Jaguars. But they had a shitload of success. I mean, they had a season. Now, Kyle was a big part of it. But where they went 15-1. and one, And at, Kyle's not the one leading team meetings, right? I mean, ultimately, this guy is in front of the team. Like, he has the head coach. And I tweeted the video out the other day about the Navy SEALs. It was something Dan Quinn's big on. Mm. And did you see... I think Chris Mortensen tweeted out the picture like a couple weeks ago that Ron Rivera, when he got fired, like what the first thing he did is he went to the went to the Navy. I guess you know the Navy SEALs where they train is pretty close to probably where he lives, which would actually just be like you got to know some people because I would love to just watch them kind of do some shit. <laughs> but uh, t- Tiger Tiger said I could swing by. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Tiger Rivera Middlecoff. Uh, yeah, Amir, <laughs> what do we, what do we do? Just watch them shoot shit? <laughs> do they like jump over stuff? Like wh- where do I watch the action? Is this a game? Like, can I get some bricks and popcorn? I just want to watch some Navy SEALs kick ass. <laughs> but, but it's like, did you see that? I, I tweeted the video, but it kind of went viral by a Giants Twitter account. Like, this is what we need. And it was just a clip of Ron Rivera, I think, from that year of All or Nothing mm-hmm. at halftime, just giving like a 45-second halftime speech. And you're just like, whoa, this guy can't command. Or, I mean, just he's calling guys motherfuckers. He's screaming at dudes. They're down 17. He's talking about how they're getting hit in the mouth and they need to whip out their balls. But he's doing it in like a football coach way that doesn't feel like Greg Williams over the top. But he's dropping F-bombs every other sentence. It was just like, damn, this guy. If if I was interviewing Ron Rivera, the thing I would do if I was Ron Rivera, like before my interview started, I would just put this up on the big screen and press play. This is what I bring to the table. <laughs> like this. Because even Cameron Rowell immediately tweeted right at me like god i'm ready to run through a wall like you just you just see like rivera's bringing something to the table you know and i think that 
That's not really Kyle's deal, right? He's not in there motherfucking guys. Like, that's just not going to be, that's not going to be Sean McVay's deal. That's not going to be a lot of offensive coaches' deals, you know? And that's, I, I think Kyle, what makes him kind of unique is he's just, he's very comfortable in who he is. You know, and I think that's the, the faster you can be that as a football coach, the more successful you can be. Because I didn't you notice watching Saban and Belichick? For, they've known each other forever, and they work together forever. They obviously are probably the two, beside like Phil Jackson, I don't know, Bochi, like two of the best coaches of you, like our lifetime, right? <laughs> I mean, yet they're kind of they're really different, and I think the way they do things are kind of different. Like Belichick is much more understated at practice. Saban is just God. He's screaming at everybody. But they're also right. Like if Belichick, you're right. It's probably just naturally who they are. But there I'm is just a saying difference. Their personalities are a little different. Well, I was going to say, like, the difference between college and pro, too, right? You can't, like, didn't Saban famous, like, call out Zach Thomas at a Dolphins practice? Everyone's like, but, who are but you I'm just saying, like, yeah, but that's just who Nick is. Like, right. you can't, I don't think he's, he wasn't trying to diminish Zach. That's just the way he coaches. Right, 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 right. Right? I, I, I think sometimes when you go, it doesn't work in the pros, yeah, maybe it doesn't because, like, that's just kind of who he is. Where it's like Chris Peterson, the argument is, why Chris Peterson probably could work in the pros and why I think Brad Stevens in the NBA works in the pros, that's not really their style to begin with. So even when they're at Butler or Boise, let alone at the Dallas Cowboys or the Boston Celtics, I'm not saying Chris Peterson is going to the Dallas Cowboys, but if he did, he, he I think he would work because he's not he's not looking to demean these guys in front of the group. Whereas I don't necessarily think Saban is either. It's just It's just the way he knows. Like, I just... That's the way he thinks works. And in fairness to him, it's always worked. Because I think if you'd ask like Lewis Riddick and guys that played for him in Cleveland with Bill, that he they would say he's no different. I just think it was a little more normal back then, like in the 90s, to just get screamed at. Right. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 